Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Hi, welcome to another episode of Grand Turbo MoneyCast. Today, we're going to talk about energy. And as always, we have Gregory Anderson of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver with us for this Grand Turbo MoneyCast. Hi, Gregory. How are you? Hello, Steve. How are you today? I'm great. I can't wait to talk about energy. I'm very excited as well. Thank so, you. So a couple of things that we're going to talk about, just let people know. Uh, we're going to talk about how energy might best balance your portfolio, what kind of allocation you might have, ways to invest in energy. We'll be talking about, uh, this is a biggie, current events that have affected your energy investments or energy Im uh, investments that you might want to pick up. Um, and you're going to talk about different options for energy investments and, of course, as always, we'll have an investment tip of the month. Yes, thank you. Okay, um, let's get right into it and let's talk about what's probably uppermost in people's minds right now, which is how are world events affecting energy investments? It's definitely been a dramatic increase in energy prices. If we're talking about oil and gas over the last two years. So I go back to 2020, the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, where oil prices were roughly about $20 a barrel. And it's a supply and demand issue. So with the slowdown at the economy, the need for energy, uh, prices decreased dramatically. So if we're looking at the overall energy for 2020, the overall market was down about 30% in 2020. So if we move into 21, 2021, we're seeing prices increase dramatically, actually over a 50% increase in this sector. And that's just because of the economy coming back alive uh, with, with the pandemic, people starting to work, people starting to drive cars, uh, consumption of oil altogether. And then with the beginning of 2022, with the current events in Ukraine as well with uh, and Russia has caused energy prices to actually skyrocket. We haven't seen prices over $100 per barrel. It's been probably over a decade since we've seen that. And um, actually, more recently, in the last few days, energy prices have uh, come down. So we're looking at oil prices coming down to below $100 a couple weeks ago. We were looking at uh, as much as $130 a barrel. So it's been kind of volatile. It's been very, very <laughs> volatile. And not only just oil prices, but natural gas prices have uh, increased above their seasonable norms as we're coming out of winter. Um, talking about natural gas prices, uh, about $6 uh, MCF or 1,000 uh, cubic feet uh, per uh, price. So it's it's definitely a volatile market altogether. So the world 
economic, uh, the world political climate has also affected oil prices dramatically. So we were at a point a couple years ago where oil was basically free. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and now it's 130 a barrel. Can you remember another commodity or, or investment that, that skyrocketed so much over such a short period of time, relatively short period of time? Nothing like it. Uh, energy has generally been a, an indicator of um, uh, as, as a commodity price is not really an indicator, but just uh, just uh, a commodity that we all are very familiar with. And we see it every day because when we go to fill up our cars, we're seeing uh, $4, $5 barrel, uh, uh, per gallon prices, and we're affected by that. Yeah. So, um, no. I mean, be in, during the pandemic, you're looking at about $2 uh, a gallon. Yeah. So it's dramatic <laughs> increase. So if you're on the uh, coast, uh, you, could, you could see as much as $6 a gallon right now with uh, oil, with uh, gas prices. So it's, it's, a, it's a very yep. volatile so, commodity. Yep. So in terms of energy, you've already mentioned oil, natural gas, and the gas that you put in your car, which I guess is petroleum, um, are there other types of energy that we want to talk about here today in, in terms of things that you can invest in? Absolutely. There's the alternative, which is clean energy. So that could be wind. It could be solar, uh, geothermal. There are clean energy sources that are becoming more and more popular as we see these high rates with energy prices, particularly oil and natural gas prices right now. So that is definitely an, an alternative. And in fact, uh, when we saw prices in 2020 with oil prices going down, we saw a dramatic increase in clean energy. And in particularly that that sector had done very, very well, uh, almost a one-time X uh, so some of the, some of the funds have been up uh, 90 to 100 percent in one year in 2021, uh, 2020, and that was really a result of uh, the industries uh, being a more favorable place to invest. However, as we saw energy prices go up in 2021, that particular sector did not do well. The clean energy sector uh, was actually down uh, almost about 20 percent. So it's, it's getting more favorable, um, particularly with electrical cars. More and more companies are looking at electrical cars as an alternative to what we call uh, combustion engine or what uh, Detroit calls eliminating the tailpipe. Okay. <clears throat> so if I believe that energy... Uh, energy is going to go up. Uh, by energy, I mean there could be it could be the clean energy, it could be the oil, it could be natural gas. Uh, I, I guess one way to invest would be in a uh, something like Tesla. Sure. Which you know they're taking advantage of the whole movement toward clean energy. Correct. Um, uh, are there other ways that I can invest in? Clean energy, wind, solar, how do I do that? And are there other things that, that we're missing? What about nuclear, for instance? Well, 
Not well. You're going to see that with utilities, and uh, okay. So depending on the particular utility in an area, they may rely on nuclear energy uh, to produce energy, but uh, not on the consumer level per se with a car. Um, so we would be looking at electrical vehicles, um, and. As you mentioned, probably the the best example is Tesla, which has done phenomenally well over the last five years, and not to mention over the last couple years, we've seen a dramatic increase in prices for Tesla. However, um, there's been some invasion in that particular sector with General Motors, Ford, um, Volkswagen, for example. Uh, BMW, some of the major uh, auto companies are starting to produce electrical vehicles. The advantage with those particular companies besides Tesla is that they do have a better distribution system and so it becomes a little bit more familiar with the masses. So, but I think it's something that we will start to see. And in fact, with the uh, with the major American companies, they're looking at uh, 2035 as the year that they will eliminate the tailpipe. So they'll be utilizing electrical vehicles. So that's something to look forward to. And we know that um, th- th- that there's a lot of popularity with it, and it also creates a great environment for investing. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think that that's uh, one of the things that we need to look at as far as diversifying a portfolio. But uh, oil and gas uh, continues to be uh, prevalent. Um, we consume about 20 million barrels on a daily basis, and um, it's really uh, something that's in high demand. So oil and gas is con- you know continues to be a high demand commodity. Okay. Uh, so. We talk about energy, and that sounds simple, but it's not really. It sound, <clears throat> it's actually kind of complicated in terms of all the different types of things that you can invest in, directions you can take, vehicle investment vehicles that you could Correct. get into. Um, can you talk about, just start by talking about some of the vehicles, for instance. Right. There, are mu- mutual, there are mutual funds, Correct. right? Correct. There's st- individual stocks, of course. Uh, so individual to. stocks, yeah. in, 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 uh, for example... Chevron, Exxon. Right, the majors. Uh So with energy, there there are many different vehicles, as you've alluded to. Uh, We kind of think of the individual companies or the stocks that are available. And that can be exploration, production, Hmm. service companies. Um, It can be transmission companies that, uh, you know, deliver natural gas, for example. So there are not only the majors that you're talking about, and those are usually vertically integrated where they'll actually own the properties and they'll go out and explore and they'll produce and they have uh, the ability to deliver it right to the consumers. So just uh, it just really depends. So our value proposition at Granderson Wealth Management Group is we look at alternative investments, and energy is one of those diversifiers. So we see that as a great way to diversify portfolios, and the reason why we like that is because it does not necessarily perform with the rest of the market. So it's non-correlated. 
So energy is a great place to place money uh, as far as diversification. And in fact, if we, even though oil prices right now are lower than what we saw from the high this year, there are predictions that it could be over $200 a barrel at the end of the year. So this is, you know, something that creates a great opportunity to diversify a portfolio from just your traditional stocks and bonds. Okay. So, along, you know, following up to your comment about the possibility of <clears throat> a $200 barrel of oil, we've we had the pandemic we've we, we it seems like we've gotten through it we're kind of maybe at the end of the we've gotten to the light at the end of the tunnel uh we've seen what's happened with ukraine um obviously that hasn't resolved itself uh, but the market the stock market in general has had its reaction to the worst of the news of the war in, in Ukraine, which is, yeah, it's happening. Russia invaded. That's um, so I guess my question is, in terms of, you know, what's next? We, we're looking at a, a bunch of possible scenarios here. We're looking at the possibility that the war drags on, the possibility that it resolves itself, the possibility that it gets even worse. Correct. Um, and with the pandemic, it's possible that a variant could come along and we could find ourselves back in the same place we were. So getting back to your comment about the $200 barrel of oil, can you talk about some of those scenarios and where we might be with energy? Well, with the United States is really a net producer. It wasn't like it was in the 70s. So we're producing more than we're actually consuming, which is a great thing. So as I mentioned earlier, the supply and demand. So we do have a little bit of, uh, we have an ability to control our, our destiny to an extent. So the government actually over the last week or so has uh, talked about releasing reserves, the federal um, reserves. Uh, originally they were talking about a million barrels a day. Now it's gone up to two million. That only represents about 10% yeah. of what we actually <laughs> consume. So it's yeah. not a huge difference. They're trying. So yes, so <laughs> we, we have to realize what, what's going on. So the environment of the supply and demand in the United States is a lot different than what we grew up with maybe in the 70s or maybe we we're familiar with. So we have the ability to say, okay, well, we, we work with the other countries like the, the Middle East in terms of um, their release of uh, oil into the economy or what's happening in South America, for example. So we have a little bit more of the ability to control what's going on. So the issue is, well, where's the, uh, you know, where's the supply a little bit less? So you're looking at Europe. And so they're relying more heavily on us to uh, move that oil or uh, import that oil into Europe. So that creates a little bit yeah. of an opportunity for, and, our, for the United States as well. And I hear that England is thinking about engaging in some natural gas fracking yes. exploration. Yes. Yes. And so oil and gas in the United States, the technology has actually improved the ability to find it, mm -hmm. produce it, 
and you know get it distributed which we hadn't seen in the past and so the united states has benefited from that and so i think we're able to control our destiny a little bit better okay. than than i um, that i alluded to in the past so okay. that's that's it so we talked a little bit about what what are the vehicles um, uh, so we'll get back to that there you know the stocks uh, are available that trade on the markets there are private investments that are available such as uh, direct ownership of energy that could be oil it could be natural gas and that's generally with the partnership structure or LLC structure and how do I find one of those investments well we can definitely work with our clients in in finding those and some of the benefits that are realized as a result of individual clients purchasing energy uh, be it natural gas or oil, is that they go on title for those particular properties, and that affords significant tax benefits. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, for example, a $25,000 investment would actually realize a write-off of that $25,000 in the year that you make that investment. And there's also some benefits in terms of the distributions or dividends that come back to the individual investor is that only 85% of that is taxable. So the returns are very good, usually mid-teens, and only 85% of that's taxable. So not only being able to get a write-off up to 100% of your investment in the year that you make it, plus the ongoing uh, distributions that are favorable, that uh, are taxed at 85%, or what's called a 15% depletion allowance, to be more technical. Okay. Uh, what kind of risk are we talking about here with all these investments? Well, there is, there's definitely risk associated with uh, energy. Um, uh, there's the possibility that if you're in a direct ownership program that the uh, the production doesn't come to fruition. So they drill the well, be it natural gas or oil, and there's nothing there. But where we're seeing a lot of benefit are what are called developmental wells, where it's proven that there's the possibility that there will be the resource down there once they drill. So it's about 85 to 90% success. So there are programs that are more riskier where they're exploratory, where there hasn't been any proven drilling. So that's a little bit more riskier. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, 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 are, there are risks associated with those direct participation programs. The investing in a mutual fund or a stock is definitely less riskier. Um, and all we're looking at are really more supply and demand and the 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 business being very profitable and so we see that with the majors and also some of the um, mid um, uh, uh, mid cap type of energy companies as well so again it's a little bit uh, less riskier than if you're looking at exploratory or developmental wells how much risk do you think the uh, war in Ukraine is adding to everything well, it's definitely changed the complexion of the energy market altogether. And so uh, it does have a, a direct effect. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing right now, because 
the the Europeans are looking to uh, you know a steady source of energy, and when when it's in question, if there's any question that the supply is going to be cut off, then the prices go up. So that's that's one of the the risk of um, of unstable or geopolitical situations, mm-hmm. be it in the Middle East, be it in Europe, be it wherever. Some of the investments you've talked about here <clears throat> sound a little exotic to me. Um, I wouldn't know how to go about it. Obviously, if I wanted to invest in something like what you're describing, I'd have to call you for help. Correct. What kind of uh, initial investment are we talking about with some of these things? I assume with if it's just a simple mutual fund or stock, it's you know whatever I want to pay with the with the with the commission that goes along with it. Well, we we don't charge commissions. Uh, we're we're advisors, so it you know as a fiduciary, so it would be more of a consulting fee that we would assess. But the minimum investment is probably about ten to twenty five thousand uh, dollars, depending on the program that's available. So it is a little bit more upfront, and so it has to be appropriate for our clients. So we want to understand exactly what they're trying to accomplish and why they uh, want to add energy to the portfolio. But um, with, as you indicated, exotic, it's really more. Um, it's 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 a it's just another vehicle. It's an alternative. Yeah, yeah, it's an alternative investment. It's, it's <laughs> so it's it's just a little bit different. We're not maybe as familiar with. You know, purchasing that energy stock from that corporation like Chevron or Exxon um, or Schlumberger, for example, but it, it is a little bit more. Um, we we do a little bit more due diligence with that because we, it is a direct program that uh, our clients uh, need to be familiar with and have the wherewithal to uh, absorb that risk if if that's the case. Okay. And I think probably you would tell us that a lot of the risk would be mitigated by the percentage of your portfolio that you have invested in Correct. energy. You're right. not. Right. I don't think you're advocating that everybody right now just convert 100% of their portfolios Correct. to energy. Yes, we like to diversify. And as I mentioned, our value proposition is energy real estate and private equity is a way to diversify a portfolio. And we want to be able to absorb this volatility and these types of investments are not correlated with the rest of the market. Okay. You've talked in previous uh, podcasts about some other uh, uh, investment opportunities, uh, different sectors that you've advocated for, yes, like real estate. Yes, you just mentioned that. Yes, uh, we spent a whole we spent thirty minutes talking about cryptocurrency, for instance, Correct. and you advocated for investment in that. Right. Again, not one hundred percent of your portfolio, but you said yeah. I, you th- thought it was probably smart to yes. set aside. Uh, a modest yeah. percentage of your portfolio. Well, it, it's actually less than modest because I would say maybe 10, yeah. uh, 15% of the portfolio. We want to really look at the overall risk associated with the portfolio with with the um, with our clients. 
want to understand the time horizon that's associated. So we, you're absolutely right. 100% in any particular sector of the market is not a great a way. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, it's almost worse than going to, to Las Vegas or a casino. So we, and that's the reason why individual clients hire us to help them diversify, giving them the best advice available so that they can achieve their overall goals. And it's nice talking about these types of alternative investments because a lot of our clients aren't familiar. Um, uh, a lot of prospective clients aren't familiar with what we offer in terms of the alternative investments. They haven't heard that from their advisors, and that's the reason why we differentiate differentiate ourselves in being able to offer investments that don't perform with the rest of the market because they're non-correlated with the market. Mm -hmm. Okay. You probably have a feel for an average portfolio. What percentage of that portfolio should be dedicated toward energy? Yes. What percentage should be dedicated to healthcare? What percentage should be dedicated to manufacturing, et cetera? Mm -hmm. et cetera? Correct. Um, and I probably, and I assume, and, uh, depending upon how uh, current events are unfolding, you probably mentally are adjusting. The ideal percentage rates for those various sectors more than mentally we're actually impl <laughs> okay. implementing those into the portfolios so it's there's a rotation of different investment sectors and we want to be able to take advantage if it's healthcare if it's energy if it's real estate um, you know technology as well uh, where we may have a little bit more emphasis toward those particular mm -hmm. sectors, and that's really the al the asset allocation because we're taking in, into consideration the overall economic environment as well. So we want to be in the market. We also want to be diversified, but we also want to be able to add a little bit more emphasis where we see the opportunities. Energy, I think, right now is a great place to be. I think that infrastructure is also a great place to be. I love, love uh, health care and also technology technology okay yeah um we're getting off topic a little bit now but uh, the technology the technology sector has struggled a little bit recently with especially i mean the net nasdaq is heavy on technology and yes it's, and it's struggled this year correct <clears throat> it has um, but maybe that's a maybe that's a topic for a different. For yeah, podcast. we could we could definitely <laughs> do that. For we're trying to think about our next topic, and I think technology is a great place to be. And it's just what's happened with the overall economy and how we're working smarter. And as I mentioned, there's a rotation out of these different sectors. But overall, I think technology is a great place to be. And you say, you know, Tesla is a technology company. And, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's a transportation company or is it an energy company? Or because a it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of overlap, but uh, we, we, we see some opportunities in, in that, those sectors that I mentioned before. Okay. I'd like to get back to the topic of the war in All Ukraine right. mm -hmm. and how it's affecting things. Uh, sanctions are changing constantly. Uh, seems like the United States and friends are constantly looking for different ways they can levy sanctions against Russia without putting us over the edge, so to speak. 
Are you keeping an eye on what sanctions have been levied, which ones are coming up, which ones are still available in the in Joe Biden's tool chest, uh, and how those various sanctions might affect uh, energy investments? Well, absolutely. With with energy, I think that w- what's what's happening is the United States is really taking a more proactive role in that they have to be mindful of what's happening in Europe mm-hmm. with our friends there. And so the sanctions have a tremendous effect on that continent. It's And so the United States is in, in the position that they, as a net producer, they have the ability to be able to, in, you know, export energy to to Europe. So as far as the different sanctions, I think that we're probably coming to the end of possible economic sanctions. Hmm. Um, uh, this the, this past week, as far as uh, Russia uh, being eliminated as a, you know, favorable trade uh, country, and, and, you know, that's pretty much obvious uh, a month ago when the war started that that was going to happen. So there, it's the economic pressure that they're trying to bear um, on, on, uh, on Russia, and I think energy is one of the major factors. I mean, energy is in everything that we do. It's not only just the, in the cars that we drive, it's in the clothes that we where it's in the plastics, it's everywhere. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of byproducts uh, with the uh, petrochemical sure. industry as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it has a, a tremendous effect. Okay. Well, so if anybody is interested in investing in energy, they just need to contact you. They can either email you or phone you or or get you on your website, or there are a lot of different ways to contact you, right? Yes, that's okay. correct. Great. That's correct. Um, so, uh, so I think that is there anything else that you want to mention about? No, I, I think that I think that there's the only other thing that I would say, and we kind of touched on this, is that the investment vehicles are many, and particularly with the taxable, um, or I should say, the favorable tax mm-hmm. incentives in energy than any other industry that's out there, we're able to offer additional information on how that may be a possibility for your overall portfolio, you know, particularly with the distributions being favorable as well as the initial investment. And there, you know, it is it is an investment that is longer term. It is a lockup period. And so uh, it, it may be applicable to, to uh, clients' overall portfolio, but we want to okay. be able to talk to them and figure out if that is applicable for them or not. Good. That's great. So before we wrap up here, we're wondering if you have an investment tip of the month. You know, I do have a, it's more of a philosophy. And in light of what's happened over the last couple years, the investment tip is really more of a philosophy along the lines of an emergency fund. And really what it comes down to is that we really need to be prepared for uncertain events and we need to have money set aside in cash so that's the reason why i say it's a little bit different than an investment it's you know cash we really don't earn a lot of money right now Mm -hmm. and we're starting to see interest rates tick up a little bit 
but we want to have cash available for those emergencies. So if it's something with your car, if it's something with your dishwasher, or if it's the refrigerator or an emergency where you need to uh, take a trip very quickly and you want to have that cash available. And generally speaking, it's three to six months of your expenses that you want to have as a reserve. And with that, we um, want to have that money readily accessible. And a few podcasts ago, we talked about the online banks. I think sure. that's a great way mm-hmm. to um, have that money available and uh, also earn a higher rate of return than what you would earn at your credit union or a bank currently. But it really comes down to three to six months of expenses readily available. Ideally, uh, 12 months. A lot of times people feel that that may be very difficult. So that's the reason why we talk about three to six months mm-hmm. and then building uh, to that 12-month uh, reserve in, in the event that something happens. And, you know, I just talked about, some, you know, just with the cars or something household appliance, but it also could be loss of job, for example, because mm-hmm. we're in some very uh, volatile times in the uh, job market as well. Sure. So that way uh, you have that money available and you don't really have to worry. Okay. So to summarize, you're saying investing is great, but don't invest every penny you have. That's exactly <laughs> right. No, okay. That's the reason. That's the reason why we talk about the investment opportunities longer term, and then of course the shorter term need for the emergency fund. Okay. Good tip. Great information here today, at Grand Turbo Moneycast, as usual, and it's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks. you very much, Steve. Thanks, Gregory. All right. We'll talk and to we you next want to time. thank our engineer, Stephanie, as well. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you again. <laughs>